if there's a thing that, that uh, gets on my nerves and grates on my skin, it, it is hypocrisy. I can't stand hypocrisy. I can't stand hypocrites. And, and, and if you were to be really, really honest with yourself, what you'll discover is that at one point or another in your life, you have acted out in hypocrisy. Uh, th- that time when you filled out your resume, you told them that you're this awesome person, this super employee, but you left out the part that said that you'll make up diseases in order to get out of coming to work. You left out the part that you would steal office supplies and bring a stapler home because you didn't have one. All of us have presented ourselves a certain way, and, and then when someone gets close to us and our real self comes out, they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is like what used to happen in the club. You guys don't know anything about the club, Jason. These people are, are nice, loving Christian people. They don't know about the club. But in the club, okay, 50 Cent song, in the club, you can find me in the... Anyways, uh, I remember, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting this from a, a testimony of someone else, not me, but... Uh, I remember hearing of, of how someone would be at the club and, and the lights would be going, the strobe lights going, and then they see someone from a distance that kind of looks, you know, mm-mm, good, you know, Campbell soup, good. And you're like, oh, I want to talk to her. So you do your cool walk <laughs> over there. And then the lights turn on and you're like, whoa, Godzilla should have been in church. It's interesting how when you get close to someone, their real self comes out. I, I, I've had people um, uh, come and, and, and live with me in my home, and, 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 and um, uh, Chris Bird stayed with me for, for a few uh, weeks. And, and I remember he said, dude, after watching your life, I just want to jump off of a, a tall building. I, I, I think he said that in the positive. You know? <laughs> He's like, no. Because when you see someone from a distance, you only see part of them. Uh, when, you, when you live in a social media display of your life, uh, the thing about social media is that I only get to show you what I want you to see. Hypocrisy affects all of us. In, in, first, in, in John chapter 8, what we discussed last week was this woman who was caught in adultery. And, and she was caught in the act of adultery. And, and the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus in order to trap Jesus. And they ask him, uh, what do you think about what the law says? Someone like this woman is supposed to be stoned. And, and the first thing that I thought when I read that text was, well, where's the guy? Because you can't commit adultery by yourself. And if you can, that's just a little weird. We won't talk about it today. But the very fact that they catch this woman and they don't bring the guy in tells us that there was hypocrisy on their part. They were only going to present the facts in one way in order to serve themselves. And so Jesus' response is, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And that statement cuts at the heart of the issue. It exposes their heart. What Jesus does is he expands the law and says, listen. This, this law that says someone who's caught in this type of sin is supposed to be condemned to death, it covers all of you. All of you suck. And the only one qualified to throw a stone is Jesus because he's the only one who's perfect. So Jesus responds to this woman and says, listen, woman, 
Where are your condemners? Where are those who have brought you here? And the, the woman looks around and she says, there's no one, Lord. And, and so Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. In the Old Testament, there's another story of another man who was caught in adultery. A man by the name of David. David is one of the beloved characters in the Bible. David who fought Goliath. David who, who, who was a, a, a musician who wrote the Psalms and, and would tell us about his devotion to God and, and what God would do, do for him and all these beautiful things. David who was known as a man after God's own heart. This man was caught in sin. In Second Samuel chapter 11, I'll just give you the summary of what takes place. It says that one day David is um, uh, uh, chilling in his, in his palace and, and enjoying being a king. And, and, and he wakes up and he checks his Facebook. And his, as he's on Facebook, he notices that there's someone who's liked his post that's not a friend of his yet. So he goes to that person's page and discovers that they're hot, pretty hot and tempting. They're, they're awesome. They're amazing. Like, wow, this person's cool. And so they start uh, looking through the pictures. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about, you know? Start looking at the pictures, and, and, and here's, this is for free. This isn't even in my notes here. If you find that someone has liked a picture of yours that you uploaded three years ago, they're stalking you. I mean, they're really digging deep. I mean, if they're liking posts that you made like six months ago of you being at that taco place, it's like, whoa, who's liking this post? They're looking at your history. They're checking you out. David is all up in Bathsheba's grill. The text literally says that he got up on the rooftop and looked in the horizon and saw this woman. The text in, 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 in verse uh, 2 of chapter 11 says that the woman was bathing and she was very beautiful. And David, the man after God's own heart, does what most men do. He takes a long look. And then he starts worshiping. Mm, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Lord, you make beautiful th- you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things. And then that appreciation turns to lust and that lust grows and grows, and, and David gets the bright idea. It's like, you know what, I, let me get one of my assistants to call Bathsheba. I just want to have coffee with her. It's just coffee. What's the harm in coffee? And, and, and so Bathsheba comes in, and, and when the king calls you, you don't have a say to say, well, I, I don't know if I can come, king. No, when the king calls you, you respond by saying, here I am. And one latte leads to another. A few lattes later, and she's pregnant. David is caught. What, what am I going to do? My, my friend Uriah is married to this woman. And, and he's been a faithful servant in my army. And, and now I've got his wife pregnant. What, what was I thinking? What was I? You, you ever seen pregnancy test commercials? In most cases, they lie. Because can, can I just be real? Is it okay, Mark, if I, if I can be real? I mean, the, the pregnancy test commercials, it's like, it's like a beautiful thing. Like, oh, music is playing. Dun, 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 dun. Accurate all the time. In, in some reality, when you're caught in sin, that pregnancy test is like, what, what does it say? Pregnant. Ah, oh, man. I'm not talking about anybody here. 
That, that's never happened to any, anyone here. <laughs> and then it says, you're not pregnant. You're like, thank you, God. I'll never do it again. I will never. I, I'm going to church next week. Only going to date church girls. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Okay. Uh, we'll move on because I don't want to expose you. Uh, <laughs> she's pregnant and he's caught in his sin. And so David devises this plan. This, this complex plan to, to have Uriah come from the battlefront and, and, and come and be with his wife. And so Uriah comes back, and David's like, hey, Uriah, how's it going on the battlefront? Listen, you need a break, brother. You, go wash your feet, okay? Just go, go wash, wash your feet with your wife. And Uriah's like, I'm a man of integrity. I cannot leave my men who are sacrificing their lives in battle and go enjoy myself. So he doesn't go and spend time with his wife. David hears of this and is like, it's not working. My plan to, to make it seem as if it's Uriah's child is not working. And so he says, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll put him at the forefront of battle, and that way he'll die in battle, and then I'll marry Bathsheba, and it'll look as if after he died, that's when I got her pregnant. So that's exactly what happens. And so in chapter 12, a year, about a year has passed. And it says, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. Verse 1. We're talking about saints, sinners, and hypocrites. Saints are sinners. Hypocrites are sinners. Sinners are sinners. Saints are are sinners who have been covered by Jesus. Hypocrites are sinners who try to cover up and conceal their sin. And sinners are those who just stand condemned because they haven't done anything with their sin. Hypocrites deflect and defend themselves when they've been confronted with their sin, whereas saints live a life of conviction and confession. As a matter of fact, you cannot become a Christian until you've confessed that you are a sinner. The very fact that you're a Christian means that you have exposed yourself before Almighty God and said, God, I am a sinner in need of grace. It's not a place or a position where you stand up and you cast judgment on others. Gandhi, Gandhi was a nice man. I mean, in history, there's very few people who you can look back and say, this was a very upstanding moral man. Gandhi said that, I I, I like Jesus Christ, but I can't stand Christians. If the Christians were more like their Christ, perhaps I would like Christianity. But the problem with that statement is that sometimes those who are outside of Christianity will use Christianity to judge Christians when the fact, if they really were to understand Christianity, it is a, a movement of people who are admitting, I am a sinner. But I've been covered by the blood of Christ. It's not a statement of saying, I am perfect. But it is saying, Jesus has made me perfect in front of God. We live a life of conviction and confession. Conviction and confession. Conviction and as a matter of fact, if, if you are a Christian you, and you're not living a life of conviction and confession, you're not, you're not uh, steadily living out and walking out confession in your life, chances are you are probably more on the hypocrite side than you are on the Christian side. I, I've been following Jesus for a number of years now, and, and you know what happens? I haven't arrived 
I, I'm a pastor and I haven't arrived. If you get close and start, Pastor Andrew and I have talked on the phone almost every day for the past 10 years. And after being so close and the closer and the closer that I get to my brother, guess what he discovers about me? Jonathan Belima sucks. And he needs Jesus. And guess what I discover about him? Praise the Lord for Jesus. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, hallelujah. The more we walk with each other, the more that we discover that we need Jesus. We can't look at each other and say, oh my gosh, you are so, you're, you're screwing it up. The text tells us, verse 1, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. So the first point is relationship. The first point about how saints live out their Christianity is in relationship. In, rela- in, in that relationship, you're able to have lo- the Lord send a Nathan to you. See, what happens on Sunday morning here is this, is that I proclaim the gospel. Or whoever is preaching proclaims. Proclamation takes place and corporate praise and worship takes place. But the New Testament Christianity isn't simply about gathering for proclamation and praise. It's about one to another. Over and over you'll read, encourage one to one another, admonish one another, spur each other on to good works, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. You cannot have a one to another relationship if all you do is come to the show. Who is the Nathan in your life? Who is the Nathan in your life? God knew that David had a Nathan. And out of that relationship, a relationship where Nathan had come and spoken blessing to David before, out of that relationship, God said, you know what? The way that I'm going to get David's attention is by going to this man who has redemptive relationship with him. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came to him and said to him, a parable. He says, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which, had, which he had bought. And he brought it up, and it grew with, up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. What Nathan is doing is this, is that Nathan, God knew to send Nathan because Nathan knew David's heart. Nathan knew that David was a shepherd. Nathan could speak in a way of, of gentleness that would appeal to David's heart. He says that this little lamb was like a daughter to him. See, see what happens is this. You, you guys hear in the Old Testament of how they had to sacrifice lambs whenever they sinned, Right? Because, see, the Old Testament Jews uh, were not allowed, because of the law, to have pets like dogs and cats in their home. Hamsters, lizards, none of those things were considered clean animals. And if you had those in your household, those would would defile you and you would not be in right, right relationship with God. And so the only type of household animals that you took on as pets were lambs or other clean animals. So whenever you hear about how they had to, uh, when, when the family had sinned, the father would take a lamb from the household and go sacrifice it, this was you losing Fido because of your sin. Your precious family member, because a pet can be like a family member. You know what I'm talking about? This was like, like you taking the household pet, the pet that your kids have played with, and then taking it to the altar 
and slaughtering it because of your sin. That's, that's the gravity of sin that God was showing the people. It says, this man took this lamb, rose, raised it up. And then one day, verse 4 says, now they, there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse 5, then David's anger was greatly kindled. David flies into a rage and says, this is an injustice. How can you allow this to happen? This is evil. See, what has happened is this, is that Nathan, who has relationship, can now come and bring revelation to David. In that confrontation, there's several things. I'll, get, I'll, go, I'll go through them real quick because I'm out of time. Uh, th- there's a few things about, uh, about gospel redemptive relationships. Number one, you cannot confront somebody unless you're a brother with them. You cannot confront someone unless you're in relationship with them. I, I, I hate it. I hate it whenever I hear of someone who has no relationship with someone, and, and they come to me and say, Pastor, I want to go and confront this person. I'll say, well, do you know them? No. Do you know their story? No. Do you know their struggle? No. Do you know? I, just, I, just, I just saw them sinning. If you're not in relationship with them, they might not hear it from you. Secondly, about confrontation in, in the gospel, uh, the pers- the, 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 there must be real transgression. Real sin must have taken place. A lot of times in the church, what will happen is this. We will live in this, in this place of um, uh, appearances of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. Well, pastor, I saw that they posted that they were in Vegas. Sin city. Worldly, worldly, worldly. And the thing about that is this, that you can't judge a person's motive. Real transgression must be in the picture. Uh, thirdly, uh, there needs to be a, 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 this needs to be done by a spiritual person. Because if I, if I had been Nathan, man, it would, it, would, it would not have gone like that. It would have been like this. David, you nasty. You, you are nasty. You, you call yourself a king. Peeping Tom, that's pervert, man. I'd have read his email, man. What kind of a man are you? Looking at the woman as she's taking a bath. Jerk. A spiritual person can speak being led by the spirit. Restoration must be the goal. Restoration must be the goal. Number four, you must, you must be willing to walk it out with the person. And number five, gentleness the way that Nathan approaches this man is in a way that, that is gentle. He tells this story that appeals to, to David's heart. And, and then when David uh, uh, responds or reacts to it, or when the revelation has come to him, Nathan says in verse 7, you are the man. And thus says the Lord. So here we, we go from relationship to revelation to the reaction to the reminder. It says this. It says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. And if this was too little, I would have added much more to you. God reminds David, I have done all this for you. I have taken you from obscurity. I've given you authority. I've given you your master's house. I've protected you. I've preserved you. And if this was not enough, I'd have given you so much more. The problem with us as we walk with Jesus, as we follow after Jesus, is that sometimes we continue window shopping. 
my wife and I bought a house about a year ago, and uh, man, when we we got the keys to that house, man, I was like, I don't ever have to move again. Praise the Lord for this house. Bedroom is big enough. Baby, we can have 10 kids. 10, 12 if we want to have our own tribe. She's like, but we only have three bedrooms. I'm like, baby, four bunk beds in each room. We'll make this work. And then a few, like three months ago, they started building more houses across the block from me. So I went to the model home by myself. I started looking around the model. I'm like, oh my gosh. Look, this is standard. This comes with it. I don't have this. I called Pauline up. I was like, Pauline, we need to come and take a tour because we're buying a new house. We don't learn contentment. The root of most sin is the fact that we are not content with what God has blessed us with and we continue window shopping. You got married to the man of your dreams and you still kept window shopping. It says, I gave you all this. So he's reminded of God's blessing. And then he goes on down after all this, after this revelation, David says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord in verse 13. I have sinned against the Lord. And what you see here is true repentance. And, And up to this point, David could have been seen as a hypocrite because he was so judgmental, unable to see his own flaws, but quick to judge other people. But when it's in front of his face, a saint does not deflect or defend, does not conceal or con. A saint is convicted and confesses. He says, I have sinned against my Lord. I've sinned against my Lord. Nathan responds to David. He says, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. I, I read that. I was like, this is beautiful, Lord. The Lord has put away your sin, and you shall not die. I, I, I read that, and, and I was like moved, like, like, wow, how gracious of a God. The woman was caught in adultery, caught in the act, and Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And here David is caught in his sin. He has murdered. He has lied. He has coveted. He has uh, committed idolatry. He has, he has borne false witness. He has done all these things, and yet Jesus says, I have put away your sin you will not die i read that and i was overjoyed that the gospel of grace is about god who looks at our sin but does not cast us as guilty anymore but gives us life but i made the mistake that 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 most of us make sometimes when we're reading the bible is i continued reading Nathan goes on in verse 14. He says, he says, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. I read that and I was, I got angry. My, my sense of justice threw me into a rage. 
I, I thought to myself, God, this does not preach very well on Sunday morning in Riverside to people who are sinners. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, communicate well that, that the fact that this baby who has never spoken before, never uttered a lie, never lusted before, never sinned before, as far as, as indeed, has to die because of what David did. You give David grace but you cast a judgment on an innocent baby. How can this be, Lord? Bothered me to no end. What kind of a God would allow a baby to die? As I was reading, I looked at my, my son as he was crawling on the carpet, and I'm like, because of my sin, you, you would do that to that innocent child? So I went back and looked at this passage. The Lord has put away your sin. See, God does not cover up your sin. He covers your sin. And there's a difference. God does not just sweep sweep it under the rug. But he takes your guilt and places it on the innocent. The woman was able to walk away free outside of condemnation because Jesus took the stone. The Bible is broken up by the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Testament is the the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so so what we're seeing in David's story here is is a picture of the gospel. It's gory. It it, it doesn't make sense to our minds, but but it's it's the beauty of the gospel in that David sinned, Bathsheba sinned. The baby is innocent, but the sins of the sinners is placed on the innocent in order that the sinner may walk free. The reason why you and I can experience life, can walk out in life, can have grace counted to us, can have righteous imputed to us, is simply because we were caught in our sin. We were dead in our sin. But God the Father so loved us that he sent his innocent, perfect, spotless Lamb of God to come into this world and live a perfect life, innocent and blameless, so that he becomes sin. Who knows no sin that we might be the righteousness of God. Sinners stand condemned. Hypocrites try to cover up and conceal. Saints place their trust in Jesus. And their sins are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Song says Calvary covers it all. My sin my shame don't count against me anymore the consequence for my transgression was placed on the innocent that I may go free this is the narrative of the gospel there's only three groups of people in this room there's some of you who are saints and if you're a Christian and you're walking with Jesus I'll go back to the first point, relationship. Are you in community with other believers who can be a Nathan to you? If you're not, we provide a thing called regroup where you can build relationships with other Christians 
who know that you suck and assume that you know that they suck too. Who know that none of us will ever graduate from grace but can only walk this out knowing we serve a God who has redeemed us all. I'd invite you to join a regroup. If you're a person who's been hypocritical with your faith, been very religious, moral, but on the inside, busted and disgusted, I invite you to trust Jesus so he may cover you. If you're a sinner who's been condemned, I invite you to place your trust in Jesus so you can live in Christ. See, see, us Christians live in Christ. That means we're, in, we're covered by Christ. The invitation is yours. I invite you to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he has covered your sin. There's no special handshake. There's no ritual. There's no pilgrimage that you have to make. All you have to do is say, Lord, I believe in what you've accomplished. And I give you my life. The fact that you're even contemplating whether or not you should tells me that the spirit who does all the work has already started it. And all you do is respond. Isn't that beautiful? So I invite you to respond to Jesus this morning by releasing your heart and your life to him and confessing that, yes, you're guilty as charged, but the Lord has put away your sin. Amen? If you got something out of God's word this morning, give God a great big hand of praise.